Episode three of America Mao and the Metaverse. Paul, you know life is getting back to normal when I'm in a shitty business hotel in the middle of Midtown, Midtown Manhattan for 400 bucks a night and the place is heaving. Uh, mate, how are you? How, I, I'm, I'm in a shitty I'm in a shitty courtyard Marriott and you're in Barcelona. So uh, I wonder who won who's won this day. I'd rather be uh, here in Barcelona. We've been chatting a lot in our three episodes, now going on to our third episode of, of America Mao and the Metaverse. And we've been very metaverse focused. But that happened to obviously coincide with the fact that Facebook did the name change. You were at the Lisbon Web Summit. It's all sort of gone down that path. And I think we're going to continue with this, this theme of the metaverse and where this is going. Look, we've, you've talked in the past and written at length, both in your research and in book form, um, about this evolution of prop tech, fintech, insure tech and the like, where we are in that in that transition. And big picture, obviously, it's a massive thing. We could talk about this for hours. But big picture, where do you sort of see this moving forward? 2014, 2013, 14 to 2018, 19 was the burst of fintech. And, and the banks were scrambling and, and got lost. You know, and the banks were all trading below book and they can't find their way. And with the exception of maybe like JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, a little bit of Citibank little bit of Wells Fargo, most of the other banks are lost. Along comes InsurTech, sort of 2019, 2020. And then that sort of poured into IPOs in 2021. And then PropTech was sort of 2020, 2021, and, and will have probably evolved next year into a lot of IPOs. We've already seen a couple, which I've covered recently. The IPOs for the PropTech are only very in the last six months. And so what my new book called Money Metaverse coming out next week is all about is, okay, so now we've got these guys that have spent, you know, literally tens of billions of dollars of uh, shareholder money coming up with pretty good, fairly sophisticated, fairly passable, some not so good algorithms, AI technology, and so forth to try to get a leg up on the banks and the traditional insurance companies and the traditional property companies. Now, suddenly, bam, all of a sudden, I would guess, in the, even in the last you know, six months, I would say, the metaverse has been sort of rolled out. And, and I think the first iteration was, public iteration was Facebook only three weeks ago. Well, I mean, that's going to be the first of many that are in the works. There's a lot of it in the works right now. So there's going to be a lot of different metaverses out there. Now, what I always tell people, and what I'm, I'm doing a course next week at the university where I teach in Singapore on this book, and I'm going to show parts of that wonderful movie, which was based on the international bestseller translated into 21 languages, Ready Player One. Paul Schulte's, Paul Schulte's favorite movie. Yeah. Now, in Ready Player One, we can segue into what we talked about before we started recording, which is, are we going into sort of a digital avatar dystopia? Well, guess what Ready Player One is all about? Ready Player One is a dystopic movie. When you see that movie, you see a, a young guy and a girl who fall in love and, and solve the, the puzzle and get a lot of money. But the life they live is really quite hideous. So you and I can dive into that if you want, and especially given that a lot of people so distrust Facebook 
thinking, my God, Facebook is going to be the, the first mover in this new meta world. But let's, uh, let's break this up because I, I do want to have the discussion about how fucked up the metaverse can be, right? Because I, 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 I want to talk about Jonathan Haidt's work at NYU and I think there's some really telling things there. But the first thing that popped into my head was the novice in me thinks metaverse, which is I get the gaming angles, I get the, 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 the virtual shopping angles, I get all that, right? Insurance is pretty poor. It's a pretty boring thing to sort of put into it. How does how does how does prop tech and oh sorry how does insurance, which is something which is purely financial at, at its core, how how is it applicable in the metaverse to the real world? How if I go to insure yeah. my life, my home, my car, how is the metaverse relevant? Yeah, exactly. Okay, great point. So a lot of the book follows the the, the evolution of fintech, insurtech, prop tech. Just very briefly. It, it, Fintech has the best angle on getting into the world of the metaverse because fintech is older, it's more mature, and they have grabbed onto the thing that you definitely need, which most central banks still don't have a clue about. In the metaverse, guess what you need to operate? Crypto. Or you need, digital, some, or you need digital currency. You can get away, or digital currency. Well, I mean, the central banks don't even understand the fact that anybody under, call it, you know, 27 years old lives in that world. They don't even know what an exchange is. They, they don't know what a stock exchange is. They don't deal with stock exchanges. They don't deal in, in paper money anymore. We do a deep dive into companies like PayPal, Visa. Those guys get it. They're, they're in great shape. They're moving into this very quickly. JP Morgan as well, Goldman Sachs to a lesser extent, and some other very interesting companies like Signum Bank and um, Silvergate in California. Signum is incorporated in Switzerland. And we go deep into that. Those guys have got a great grip. Then we move on to the InsurTech, and I've done a tremendous amount of work on that over the last you know, three years, and I have some you know, big clients in this business as well. InsurTech, I was so struck, Paul, because InsurTech... Um, there isn't even a, a chance of a hope in hell that any of them are remotely close to anything like crypto, digital currency, anything in the meta world. They're still dealing with very new algorithmic iterations that are three years old, and, and they've been burning money hand over fist. So you look at companies like Lemonade or Oscar, and, and their stocks keep on hitting new lows. And I've been very pessimistic on those for all year long. And why, still- why, why is that? Why, why can't, were they too early? Is there, not the, is there not the market for this? I look at things like the notion of car insurance, which is based on, based on either algorithmic assessments of how I drive, whether I'm let, heavy, how fast I drive in certain, in, certain, in certain zones, whether I break the speed limit, all that sort of stuff. I see that. I think that's, that could optimise this incredibly well. I mean, because, look, at the end of the day, let's be frank, autonomous driving, if we get to that, that ultimate thing, that gets rid of car insurance to some degree, right? How, but how, does it, how, have they, how have they messed it up so badly? I think that's right. So that's my point. I, I think that for InsurTech, it, 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 well, first of all, I have to tell you that I, will, I, I have concluded to my clients for all year long that these IPOs of many of these InsurTech companies were way too early for prime time. The IPOs were premature and they did it because it was a hot market and their products weren't ready. And so not only were they not ready to grasp the world of digitization of, uh, yeah, like you said, there's fantastic potential. 
And because and, what is the most precious asset we have? Our bodies. And, and healthcare is all about monitoring our body and digitizing our body. And we're not there. There's n- nobody's close to that yet, right? What, again, our physical safety is vital in the car, in an airplane, in a train. Maybe when I'm on a dangerous safari, that's, that's exciting. A- anything like that. Th- these are ample opportunities for the metaverse. They're, they're perfect. And yet it's utterly lacking. And I think that's because of the newness of it all. They are burning cash like crazy, even in like generic insurance products. And a lot of their algorithms don't work. That's the dirty secret about what's happening. The people who are ahead in all of this, like Apple, Apple Healthcare is doing astonishing things. And if they wanted to, they could probably burst into the metaverse with a healthcare product. They have backed off because I think they're afraid of the regulatory issues surrounding this. So watch Apple carefully, but they have gone really radio silent in their healthcare digitized. Help me to interrupt because the watch the watch could well be the sort of the the, the epicenter of just an enormous insurance business, couldn't it? Health insurance business. It is the epicenter of the insurance business. They just don't want to go there. They are, I, I believe they think it is too much of a regulatory landmine for them. And I, I suspect some of the traditional insurance companies have, are pushing them. I think there's a lot of sharp elbows in the background here. The regulators don't like it. But yeah, the Apple Watch is universal. I think there's north of 100 million Apple Watches around the world. I mean, this is massive. It's a massive opportunity. And I know because I did some work on this about three months ago. And then after that, Apple went radio silent on how much they have. And I told one of my clients who is desperate to get into this, it's a traditional insurance company, ally yourself with Apple. Don't skip everybody else. Go to Apple and just skip everybody else. And I just give my advice and then I just let let, let them do with it what they want. But you're right. Apple's a, a fascinating player here. So, mate, I'm going to take an enormous step back here, right? Because I think that if, if you are listening to us for the first time or you are not as familiar with metaverse, etc., the colloquial definition of metaverse really is, as you alluded to, it's it's ready ready player one, right? So it's it's taking Fortnite, it's taking Minecraft, it's taking Roblox, et cetera, to a whole new... That's the generic definition of metaverse. Can you... And, but your, your, your definition of... You've broadened this out. You've broadened this out to a... To a affect how I w- more define a digitizational definition of the whole thing in terms of use of crypto, use of algorithmic... Use of algorithms to be able to sort of optimise the insurance pro- prospect certainly optimize financial services and the like. So we should be just a little careful. The metaverse in this case is not Ready Player One, the one you're talking about. The metaverse is more about the use of tokenized, the use of tokens, et cetera, to allow the optimization of, of, of financial services, property and insurance. Well, that's right. I mean, I, I, it's basically looking at all of our physical world a lot of people are of the mind. I mean, maybe we don't get it. Older people may not get it. But if you have a younger person telling you, and I sat with somebody who's, I had a dinner party with like three billionaires who are like between 25 and 29, these bastards. And 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 the things that come out of their mouth are, are like, their assumptions are just utterly different than what anything, anybody over 45 could possibly imagine is like, 
Why wouldn't you want to have every single physical thing digitized? Why can't my brain live in the cloud? What if I don't want to live in my body? What, what if I have a plan to conduct my life entirely in crypto, utterly outside of the financial system? And by the way, this is what I do already. And I don't know what you're talking about when you talk about exchanges. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. And I trade stocks. But mostly, I make all my money in crypto. And I just bought a $60 million yacht sitting in Singapore Harbor. And so, and, and why can't every single thing uh, out there become a non-fungible token? It's not just cards or uh, a layup of an NBA player. Everything becomes a non-fungible token, including my body. And so this is the kind of, of conversations you have with people who are in this world that they see a, a, a pure digital world instead of a physical world that we we live and breathe and of course that is the essence of you know that that book and the movie and and there are astonishing things one of the the great panels i i helped on in at the milken conference was the one on crypto and 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 there was a lady there who's a russian american and she's a very big celebrity and and she talks about why can't we have a digital world where young people can go and hide and move away and get away from what she calls economic violence? There's so much economic violence being done to us by governments around the world. Governments in Brazil, Colombia, Russia, Lebanon, all of these failed countries in Africa, the, the, the Middle East, Myanmar. These are Thailand's military instituted government. Why can't, as a citizen of, of a country, I escape that by conducting myself economically and as a person slash avatar in this digital world? And I was blown away by that. And I, I, I have said that to several people who are at the tops of some of the, the big banks that I do work with. And they're like, wow, I, we, we, that is a fascinating idea that people are escaping economic violence, whether you want to call it economic injustice, incompetence, corruption, stupidity, or military intervention. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I think, look, I think that's incredibly valid, right? But I do think that we have to, there's this notion, you listen to Mark Zuckerberg and the metaverse is about going to, you and I going to a concert in Barcelona together, right? Me wearing a me wearing an eight-pound helmet and going to a concert in Barcelona together. But, but it's, it, for those of you who have not read any of Jonathan Haidt's work, he is a NYU psychologist, has written, written a bunch of books, including the book on the righteous mind, which is incredible. And the work he's doing right now is on the, the externalities or the, the negativity and the con negative consequences of social media. So if you were to ask him about what he thinks of the metaverse, it isn't about you and I running through through fields or going on virtual safaris in 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 Tanzania. It's about right. the fucked up place where where teenagers go and there are no consequences in terms of the meanness and 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 hostility and just general nastiness that goes on. And we see we see this at the moment. My my fourteen year old last night, yeah, you know, we turned around and three three girls were mean to him on Snapchat last night. Right now, I read it. It wasn't that bad. Right. I've had, as I said to him, I've had plenty of women say plenty worse to me over the, over the years, right? And the numbers are undeniable. Between 2012 and 2015, 
the amount of the rates of self-harm amongst teenage girls in the United States, UK, um, yep. and Germany um, went up four, went up threefold. And that's not anecdotal. That is hospitalizations. Right. Yep. And that is, and I don't mean to take to have this to turn into a sort of a dark, dark turn, but it's there are you know and look Twitter Twitter is a tremendous example of this right Twitter is where the metaverse could is a, is a precursor to the metaverse because that is what people can do when you give them anonymity right and I think that when we think about all of this sort of stuff I do think and you you make the comments all the time about the phrase guardrails right and I do think that if we're going to think about a truly alternate world that we also need to think about some of the guardrails that have to go in conjunction with that. Well, that's right. And that was the main theme of the Web Summit in Lisbon was the lady who was the, um, the, the whistleblower from Facebook. Her point is the guardrails for Facebook and her two recommendations were, and her two, and her two recommendations to the Senate were force Facebook to slow down the algorithms and divide up their groups into, like a mandate a maximum allowance into any group. Reduce the groups, slow down the algorithm, and you'll slow down the lunacy. And I believe it was the 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 finance guy from the Financial Times said, "What what are your what are your hopes? What what, what do you think the chances are that the Congress, the Senate, and the House together will come up with something that's going to be law uh, to regulate Facebook's behavior?" And she said, "I'm very pessimistic. I don't think they're going to be able to do it because the questions I got from senators were astonishingly naive and silly." And, and people in the House are, are, are also just out of touch with kind of these, these details of, of how this works. And so she was pessimistic yeah. about the garden. Think, so think about a dinner. Think about that dinner you went to with those three Gen X, Gen Y millionaires, billionaires, right? How do you think that the majority of the, of the, of the U.S. Senate would go at that same dinner? Would they have a clue? They would get everybody drunk and look for a check. You know, by the end of the night, they'd want a hundred thousand dollars, and they don't give a crap about anything these guys have to say. They couldn't give a uh, toss about substance. They want a check. But what I can tell you is, we talked about exactly what you're asking and about these these data sets uh, about you know the, all the self harm and, and and their take is: look, if you people who look at look at Forbes magazine about a month ago had a, a, a front cover of the metaverse, and they had 10 people who are very high profile individuals whose avatars are there. And I went with, I, I showed my buddy that, that this is the one who's only worth a hundred million dollars. And, and he said, well, I know every one of these people, everyone knows your avatar in the metaverse. Don't think you're anonymous. Everyone knows who you are. And if you're going to be a son of a bitch, people are just going to avoid you like the plague. So yes, there is accountability because people learn avatars, identities. And so that doesn't necessarily put you to rest. And it certainly doesn't, you know, quell the, 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 the concerns people have about Facebook. You know, Paul, you and I were discussing this today. There was a, a survey on LinkedIn. And the question was, do you trust Facebook? And, and, and I, I believe there was almost 30,000 votes. So it's a very chunky number. Uh, and, and Facebook's a pretty good representation of sort of grown up, thoughtful people. And it was 90% do not trust it, 10% trust it. And so I, I can see that, that you know, the metaverse as introduced by Facebook for many, so many people, the vast majority of people is problematic. But as you and I talked last week, Paul, 
There's a lot of companies who've done a lot of bad things and they're still around. So let's not underestimate people's memory or the capacity of companies to wine and dine and lobby their way through regulatory uncertainty. DuPont, Dow Chemical, Thyssen Krupp in Germany, they're still around making escalators. On and on and on. All the banks from 2008, they're still around except Lehman Brothers. You know, they're all still there. They've changed their name. All the, the, the Asian banks during the Asian crisis, they're all still around. They're all still there. The ones that you and I looked at back in the 1990s, they're still there making money hand over fist. A lot of these banks in the Far East began by as opium traders. Their banks were founded on the opium trade. Right. You know, they're still yeah. But Paul, I, I would I would push back to one one bit a little bit on this because I don't think the 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 chairman of DBS Bank in 1998, whoever that chap was, right? He was never called by a a lot of very influential people, the world's most dangerous human being. Mark Zuckerberg, in some circles, is often referred to as the world's most dangerous human being. Right. So if you talk, so I was listening to the uh, the Pivot podcast with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway on the, on the plane on the way down to New York. They made that exact point. Right. Now, I don't, th- I, don't th- I don't think Scott Galloway, when he calls him a sociopath, that might be making it taking it a little bit too far. Right. There's degrees of bad. Right. There is degrees of bad. Right. And we've never seen, I, I'd say, we've never seen a global monopoly like Facebook. The world's never seen. And we've never seen, a global a monopoly run by one man to the extent that the influence of Mark Zuckerberg is just remarkable. And for all the the good it should be done, it should be, a lot of it ain't. Oh, okay, I'll give you a couple of examples. The British uh, East India Tea Company, that, that was an evil, evil, uh, you know, creation, an evil monopoly creation of the British Parliament. They did terrible, awful, awful things for 150 years, and it was finally abolished. The Dutch Indies Company, terrible, terrible, terrible things. Uh, Monopoly of the Dutch government, it finally was abolished. But they were around for 150 years. And the the, the monopolies that the Belgian government granted in Africa were truly evil. They lasted for decades. And they made people very, very generationally wealthy. Scotland was built on opium money from China. Right. And, and so was Delano of Delano Roosevelt's. Their fortune was built. The Forbes family, the Delano family, the Perkins family, on and on. Right. Built on opium. Right. Look at the uh, Sackler family. No, nobody's in jail there. They're, they're called among the most evil people in the world. Nothing's happened to them. They're all out of jail. And so are we going to to sort of get on our high horse about Facebook? I guess we can. I guess people have done that. Maybe it's justified. I, I just look at my understanding of history economically and I see these awful people are a dime a dozen. Yeah. Sorry, mate. So let's 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 get finish it up on this, right? Let's get circle it back to circle it back to your three billionaire, right? So I think the expression will change the world, that gets thrown around far too much. I've never met these three people. They sound freaking amazing. They sound like the sort of people who will try and change the world, right? Well, not not really. I, I wouldn't say that they're amazing people. They they hold a theory of life that you know, like, is kind of exemplified in another person people consider dangerous, which is Peter Thiel, and that is all government is bad. All financial activity which involves any regulation by government is bad. Uh, rich people should be allowed to go off in the corner and enjoy themselves without having to deal with any other part of society. 
And if you're poor, that's tough luck. And of course, you know, Peter Thiel's uh, monopoly of, of, of in California right now, Palantir, is a, it, it, it sucks up the government tip of, of government contracts. And so the London Review of Books savaged him this week. There was an article on the London Review of Books savaging him uh, and all these people who, who speak like that. But a lot of the people in the metaverse, that's what bothers me, that they say, when I go in the metaverse, I'm going to behave myself, but I'm leaving government. I'm leaving, I'm leaving regulation. I, the governments are evil and corrupt and bad. And as it turns out, we need government. Government has a lot of things that are important to human life, right? And, 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 and but space government is there to keep us from all killing each other and keeping the peace. And so that's what bothers me about the metaverse it is basically we will behave ourselves. We can afford to get into the metaverse and, and you know, trade and, and, uh, and invest and, and wheel and deal and, and, and do all these things with you know, non-fungible tokens. But everybody else buzz off and stay out. And if you're starving on the street, you don't have a computer, then tough luck. Let me tell you a data point I heard yesterday out of the Washington Post. A lot of the country in America is still on 3G. 3G is being okay. a lot of police departments, a lot of emergency departments, a lot of old people are still on 3G. And, and this is what is astounding how behind a lot of the middle class and the lower middle class of America is when it comes to people who are on 5G high speed technology that can allow them with, with several hundred dollar Oculus technology who, who can afford to be in this? And so that's what bothers me is this, this faux hypocritical government is bad. So I'm leaving the system, right? I'm, I'm, I'm giving up my citizenship in, in, in my country that, that I grew up in. This is very problematic, especially for billionaires who, to, who want to check out. And, and so this is the center of the debate right now. Right. So is your, so the book coming out next week? Did you say it's coming book out next week? The companies that we're looking at are basically Visa, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Silvergate, Signum, PayPal, Square, and about six or so, a lot of uh, Lemonade, Oscar, and a couple of the interesting, you know, prop tech companies like Linklogist and Bukalapak in Indonesia, because these companies have a really interesting capacity to jump into the metaverse if they want. It's just going to be a question of whether they can, how they can, and if they can. And so, so, so C, I think C is really, really important here. C is jumping into Southeast Asia finance really quickly. And C is going to be up against Grab and Payoneer. Yep. And C is a perfect candidate to really take over on the metaverse in Southeast Asia. Interesting, mate. Well, mate, I'm going to go put my Oculus lens on and uh, pretend I'm at the Arvindari in, in Bali and not in the, uh, the courtyard Marriott in, uh, in Times Square. So as I stand today, I'm a big fan of the metaverse and we will do this again, uh, do this again next week. All right, cool. Thank you so much. Be well, mate. Bye for now. Bye.